0: This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for
1: you. And you're listening to America's Web Radio. My name is Doug Dahlgren. I welcome each and every one of you to the program that we now call the Prologue. And hopefully we have very good reason for that. You see, a prologue is an introduction, and if it's done correctly, it's also a hook. And that's to get you interested in a story or perhaps an entire book. Now, I understand trying to do that because, you see, I'm an author myself. I write fiction. I call it plausible fiction, stuff that you might enjoy, and I, I really invite you to take a look at that perhaps after the show. What I really enjoy doing is this, having this opportunity to bring you other writers, authors that perhaps you haven't heard of yet, authors with terrific work that's worthy of your time, and that's just what this program allows me to do. Now, our audience is growing, and I understand that we have many members of our armed forces stationed around the world since we're on the internet who are listeners, both live and on the podcasts. So we welcome and thank each of them for their service, and we also want to include those local heroes back here at home. That's our police, fire, and rescue personnel who rush to our aid when we need their help. So many thanks to you folks as well. Our guest this hour is an accomplished writer with a background in nursing. She has nursing degrees from both Indiana University and Georgia State University, and a master's in business administration from Troy University. Her book is a touching memoir titled Couch Time with Carolyn, and this is your prologue. A group of girls, friends since elementary school, find themselves in a dilemma in their early 30s. One of their own is an emotional, financial, and spiritual distress over a failed marriage. It's prayers, wine, and casseroles to the rescue, but try as they can to be helpful and supportive. It's not really them, but the mother of one of them who offers the advice, wisdom, and counsel needed at this special time, a mother who has her own burdens, burdens the entire group is well aware of. She's slowly dying of cancer. Now, recalled and written gracefully by the recipient of that wisdom, Couch Time with Carolyn will draw you in and keep you turning pages. Please join with me in welcoming to the show and here in studio with me, author of Couch Time with Carolyn, Katie Hart-Smith. Good morning, Katie. How are you doing? Good morning, Doug. It's great to be here with you this morning. Is this fun or what? It's a blast. Okay, good. Now, Couch Time with Carolyn is a memoir primarily yours but there's other people that are involved in this thing tell us who are the Dunwoody girls
2: well the Dunwoody girls are my best childhood friends we've known each other since we were in elementary school and uh, there's a group of five of us and we have been thick as thieves and are still thick as thieves to this day
1: now, you girls are obviously all adults now, grown up with families of your own and lives to lead. Are you all still close?
2: We are. In fact, I'm you know, here in the studio in Sandy Springs, which is our old stomping ground of Dunwoody. We all went to Dunwoody High School, so uh, I feel like we're back home. And um, we are still logistically close. We all live out in Gwinnett County now, and um, we still participate in activities and family activities together. And um, it is just a wonderful friendship.
1: Excellent. It's good that you can stay close to friends from that far back. That not everybody gets to do that.
2: No, they don't, and they know everything about it. We all know it. You know our stories and backgrounds and where we came from, and are there for each other in times of good times and for and support for you know when bad times occur. So it is a blessing. They're almost like my sisters.
1: Excellent. Now Carolyn, uh, the subject of the story. Uh, and we'll get to more about her role in just a little bit here. But she was the mother of one of your good friends, am I right? Yes, that is correct. Tell us a little bit about her.
2: Carolyn was an amazing woman. She is the uh, mother of Dorothy and uh, one of my friends. And she was a model back in the 1950s. And she was of inspirational because when I was lost, divorced, trying to find out you know, lo- about life and love and... She was just an inspirational woman who would provide guidance on her couch in her living room in Dunwoody, and uh, we would share afternoons together over some wine and chocolate and uh, commiserate, and she would impart life lessons.
1: Now, this has been a great deal of years since all this happened to you. Was there a specific instance that inspired you to write a book about it?
2: There was a uh, life events in May of 2012 spurred the idea to begin journaling about my relationship with Dorothy's mom, Carolyn, and reflecting on over the 30 years of stories and the life adventures with her daughter and our best friends. We call the Dunwoody girls. Okay. And so it was that event, an event where it was a phone call that Dorothy called to say her mom was dying of breast cancer. Wow. And that really. It just hit home it hit hard it was like oh my gosh you know it reminds you that life can change on a dime
1: oh absolutely now you have received considerable recognition uh, about this book and uh, because of this book including very recently just within the last two three months you had a nomination to the georgia author of the year awards now goodness sakes tell us a little about that
2: well i'd like to thank my editor for the book sally Boyles, who recommended me and nominated me for uh this prestigious, you know, uh, award and to be included with a group of incredible Georgia writers in this association. Um, I was nominated for the memoir autobiography category and, uh, you know, since this book has launched, I've participated in many author panels and Q&A discussions. And what's even cooler is to see an inspiration that happened. One of my girlfriends who lives in, out in L.A., her name's Laura Seda, very accomplished businesswoman. But she is also an aspiring director and screenwriter. And after reading the story, so called upon her that she did a film short of couch time with carolyn she flew to atlanta filmed the scenes in lawrenceville and she's planning to submit couch time with carolyn as a film short to national and international film festivals so it's neat to see what has inspired others from these from the story and from
1: the book oh it is and and it's it's going to continue too it's very good book. would you take a minute and tell everyone out there listening where can they find couch time with carolyn
2: Sure, you can find it at my website at www.katie, K-A-T-I-E, Hart, H-A-R-T, Smith, S-M-I-T-H, dot com, or via online book retailers.
1: All right, very good. Now, did your friends, these Dunwoody girls, know about this book project when you had it going on, and if they did, what did they think of the whole idea?
2: You know, they did. They were absolutely on board. I sat everyone down, and we talked about the project And they were supportive. Um, I also shared with them the first draft, or kind of like the 1.0 version of Couch Time with Carolyn, so that they could get a sense of where I was going with the story. And they were all consented. They gave me the green light. They even helped me pick out photographs, which are included in a scrapbook fashion at the end of the book. And we thought photographs were very helpful to illustrate that, yes, these stories and people are real, and it anchors the book. And Dorothy helped me pick out um, and uh, do many of the pictures of her mother, which are stunning because they're of her modeling proses. Uh, she helped me with the audio version of Chapter One, which is available on my website. And I wanted people to get the authentic story from our authentic Southern voices. And even Susan, one of our friends, uh, helped do the photo shoot for the book cover. And so really all of the Dunwoody Girls had a thumbprint on the project.
1: You mentioned the Southern voice in, involved in this story. Now, are there other books with a similar storyline that you would compare to The Couch Time of Carolyn?
2: I would compare it to either uh, Steel Magnolias or Tuesdays with Maury, and I would say the combination of the two because of the plot line, uh, because it has to deal with pivotal moments in life and life changes and how you get through some of the life's tough moments, but you can do so with grace and humor. So I would marry those two versions
1: of those books I think that's a pretty good uh, comparison right there now memory uh, memoirs but they can be a little bit tricky memories can be tricky that's what I was trying to say really uh, you got to get yourself organized and make sure that you've got the thoughts in order and the way you want to say all this stuff how long did it take you really to think back over mm-hmm. what happened and get everything lined up in your mind
2: Um, As I said earlier, I began journaling right when I got the phone call that uh, Carolyn had a terminal condition. And I completed the first draft in the fall of 2012. And so by, I think, about a year and a half later, with the help of my editor, uh, we had the project done another year and a half later. It does take a long process because to get out all of the information, to journal it authentically, Takes time, and the editing process takes time, and I wanted to be thoughtful about the project.
1: How many people did you use? Did, did the publisher have their own editors, or did you have proofreaders ahead of time?
2: No, I had proofreaders ahead of time, and again, uh, Sally was phenomenal. And having other, like a beta readers, you know, read it to see how it struck them. Because even though you write words on paper, you want to make sure that what you're writing and what they're reading are the same, and that the messages are coming across in the same manner and fashion. Oh, yes.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> That's just salesmanship, really. You, want to, you don't want to waste words. You want to make sure they're understanding what you're trying to sell.
2: Exactly. So,
1: who would you say that the target audience is, by age or anything else? Who is the target audience for Couch Time with Carolyn? Carolyn?
2: While I would say the main target audience is women. I'm also finding men relating to the story about Southern women as well. I think because Couch Time has such universal touch points that deal with coping and adapting with life's changes, the circle of life, friendship, mentoring, and even that inner relationship that Carolyn and I had, to even faith, which is core and essential to our relationship with each other and with the Lord. But um, I think more importantly, it's about living an authentic life that's abundant and passionate, and those people who identify with those moral um, core values tend to find that they enjoy this book because you do find opportunities to find joy and light in the darkness. And I am able to use humor to help heal in such difficult situations as illustrated in the book.
1: Now, these meetings that you had with Carolyn, these were not group sessions. These were you and her.
2: They were exclusively her and I on her couch in Dunwoody. And um, there were just very wonderful moments uh, that over years, that took place over years. And the pearls of wisdom that she imparted on me were such that they had such magnitude that they did help shape the woman I am today sitting here in front of you. So they were absolutely priceless.
1: How did Dorothy? You said Dorothy. This was Dorothy's mom. How did Dorothy react, or could you tell if there was any issues that she had with you having that much private time with her mom?
2: Actually, we loved it. She loved it uh, because we're almost the whole Donny girls in our um, relationship together or, or as a sisterhood. We all of our parents are interchangeable parents for each other, and because we grew up in each other's homes, it was very natural. And so she was so supportive and appreciative of the project, and like I said, was very much a part of the project. And um, it is something that when Carolyn was sick and going through her chemo and surgeries, I was there to help care for her and be there for her as an, in my nurse capacity, uh, which Dorothy I know appreciated. And Dorothy was there for her in her, you know, as a daughter and supportive daughter. So you really had to pull together everybody to help care for someone who has a terminal illness. You can't do it all by
1: yourself. Oh, no. And you were the point of the discussions at that time. And your friends from childhood realized that, of course. And so that's, that's what was most important.
2: Absolutely. Folks,
1: the book is called Couch Time with Carolyn. We're here, fortunately, this morning in studio with Katie Hart-Smith, the author of this wonderful memoir. And we are going to be right back after these short messages from Doug Dahlgren, an action series
3: that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary war heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren in Kindle or paperback through amazon.com
1: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
0: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved.
4: Thank you.
0: this is AmericasWebRadio.com, dot com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: And we are back. My name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here on America's Web Radio. We're here with the prologue. We're talking about a great little memoir. Couch Time with Carolyn. We have the author Katie Hart-Smith with us this morning, and we've been talking a little bit about the background of the book. Now, Katie, your love of writing goes way back, before even your career in medicine. In fact, you wrote as a child, and you still write poems for children. Would you tell us a little bit about your writing background?
2: Sure. I've uh, been published professionally since 1993, and I started in the medical and academic field um, and working with uh, professional nursing journals as well as textbook nursing textbooks, and uh, also into my expertise of pediatric orthopedics and sports med. Um, from there, then I branched into doing some children's poetry books that teach important life lessons, and they were called From the Heart, Always From the Heart, and Move Me, Move Me, 1, 2, three. And some of those individual stories from the children's books were profiled by a lady called um, named Karen Houghton. She's known as the Reading Lady, and she had a public access TV show where she would take the stories and use them on her show. So that was very special. And these stories were even highlighted in Pulse Magazine, which is a, a subsidiary of the AJC, or the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And I have begun you know began writing and always had an interest in writing as a child and my mom was so sweet because she saved my work and so when i was telling her i was going back to writing and writing couch time with carolyn she said go to your hope chest this is where i have all your early publications. And so I went back to Hope Test, and lo and behold, here are all these early books that I did my own stories and illustrations to, so it was very special, and I even profiled them on my website.
1: Well, now you have a blog also, do you not?
2: I do. I have a blog. It's called From the Heart, and it's Inspirational Life stories.
1: Do you include any of those old children's stories on the blog?
2: You know, I don't. I actually do more interviews or I am pulling from family history or real life. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, um, one of my nursing colleagues connected an old patient of mine. And uh, she is the living recipient of, and George's living recipient, uh, the first and third donor liver recipient. And so, uh, she was not expected to live beyond her 10th birthday. She is now 32 and I had the incredible opportunity to reconnect with her. And why it was so special is because I was, one of her nurses, one of her many nurses while she was hospitalized at Eggleston. And so to be able to talk with her, you know, very healthy woman, uh, I actually did my latest blog about her and, uh, the importance of organ donation and what it meant to her and how it
1: absolutely changed her life where can people find this blog
2: you can find it again on my website at katiehartsmith.com
1: all right couch time with carolyn again is a memoir but it is not your first published memoir is it
2: no that is correct in 1995 i published a personal account Called in the face of disaster personal reflections and that was published as an article in the orthopedic nursing journal and that article recounted my volunteer work with the red cross to lead a group of volunteers from atlanta to assist with the flint rubber flood recovery efforts and during that four hour commute home on the commuter bus i wrote on scratch pieces of paper to journal that day's event
1: now, the Flint River flood was a major, major flood. Uh, I am from the Albany, Georgia areas where I went to high school. And actually, we had a high school reunion the year after that. Mm. So I was at Radium Springs. Those of you who are familiar with the area down there will know what I'm talking about. Uh, but this was a year later, and things had been cleaned up to a great extent. But a lot of places, businesses, Radium Springs being one, left the high watermarks. And it was incredible what damage, how high that water had really risen and the damage that it, had that it happened there. Now, things were fairly cleaned up, like I said, when I was there. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you saw the year prior. Oh, wow.
2: Um, when we were there, it was quite amazing because our commuter bus, we went to the firehouse to get our assignment. And our bus could not even get into the subdivision to get to the home we were assigned to help. Deconstruct and basically take it down to the studs, and clean it out. Um, the roads were buckled, the asphalt was buckled, um, and it was impassable. So we literally had to take all of our equipment and tools and go into the subdivision to find this home and do all of our work. And um, the bus picked us up. We you know met it back at the beginning of the subdivision and we left. But it was it was almost like a war zone. Uh, the military choppers were flying overhead. There were military vehicles throughout uh, the road to help prevent looting. Um, the smell, I think, was probably the most overcoming uh, because you have to realize everything was submerged under the river water, and when it receded, the stench that it left behind because of rotting food in refrigerators or organic decomposition, um, it you know it was very. <laughs> Memorable. <laughs> yes, I'm
1: sure. How many folks were in your team that went down there?
2: I would say there was a group of 20 or so that were on our bus. And you
1: pretty well stayed together and worked together? Through we
2: did. That was my job was to keep everybody together, achieve our goals, get in, and uh, help those residents that were there to the best of our abilities and then, you know, go home. And I think that was the hardest part was going home. Um, Because while, you know, nursing school prepares you for how to take care of patients and, you know, work in the medical field. But when it comes to disaster relief, you really have to work off of common sense and what you're given. And you have to improvise. And um, I think also there are feelings of guilt because I was able to go home, take a shower. I had running water. I was able to go to the fridge, have dinner and go to bed. But these poor individuals were displaced for quite some time and had to rebuild their homes. And so it made you ever so grateful when you said your prayers that night to say, you know, I'm thankful that you're, you know, I was able to be used as a servant. And I was um, also praying for those families for a quick recovery.
1: Now, as we said, a memoir came of this, but that wasn't the point at all when you went down there. In fact, had it been, you probably would have gone a little better prepared. Because my understanding is that after all this work and and you guys had accomplished basically what you could, that you grabbed scraps of paper on a four-hour bus ride home and scribbled down what you could remember to make notes for this memoir as you rode home. Now, that's that's being resourceful.
2: I did. And the pencil that I had, I would have to peel it back with my fingernails to keep it sharpened.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, today we have Word Perfect and Word and all this other stuff. So, Now, the full title, again, of that first published memoir is In the Face of Disaster, Personal Reflections. And this was published in the Orthopedic Nursing Journal, 1995. When you wrote it, even though you felt moved to write this, did you really expect it to be received and published the way it was?
2: No, my gosh, it was fast. Um, Literally, when I submitted the article, I got a call from the editor and said, we're running it in the next issue. It was that powerful and that uh, impactful. I even took photographs while I was there on uh, the scene, and I chose black and white film on purpose because that's what, of course, the journals requested at that time. But I also felt... Uh, Because it was such a somber moment Black and white pictures captured it best
1: Oh yeah Let's back up a little further in your history here Let's get some background on you Where are you from originally as a child?
2: Well I actually grew up in Dunwoody Um, I went to graduate of Dunwoody High School Class of 82 Go Wildcats And uh, went to Georgia State And got my Bachelor's of Science in Nursing Graduated in 87 And uh, went to Troy State University for my MBA Graduating in 2002
1: Excellent. Now, I have somewhere in here that you went to Indiana University.
2: I did. I did my core courses. My parents are from Indiana, and I went to IU, or Indiana University in Bloomington, uh, to do my core courses and then came back home for nursing school. All right.
1: Well, we have to give Indiana its due, too.
2: Absolutely. Shout out to the Hoosiers. There we
1: go. (laughs) We have documented that you're a nurse, and obviously that you worked with children and even more specifically in orthopedics. Are you still working in that capacity, and if so, what what is your day-to-day job today?
2: I do. I'm blessed to work with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, who are celebrating their 100th anniversary. Uh, Scottish Rite was started in 1915 here in Atlanta as an orthopedic hospital. Um, I work in the capacity of physician outreach and working with our community physicians in Gwinnett, Barrow, and Walton counties. And I'm blessed to work with such gifted people.
1: Now, your distinguished career with the Children's Health Care of Atlanta, uh, how, how where are you at this point? How many years have you been with them?
2: Almost 30. Wow. If you take a look at, I started when I was a nurse tech uh, back in 86 when I was going to school. And when I passed my boards and became a registered nurse, I continued uh, working there. And then I worked for Emory Clinic uh, for five years and then came back to Children's.
1: And this is what formerly was known as the Scottish...
2: Scottish right and Rite. Eggleston. And I started okay. on the Eggleston campus.
1: So right over there at 400 and I-285?
2: Actually, the Eggleston campus is located right across the street from Emory and right down oh, okay. the street from the CDC. Okay. All right.
1: But still right around here local. Yes, sir. Now, you have been a manuscript reviewer and a member of the editorial board of Orthopedic Nursing Journal. That's fairly prestigious. Tell us a little bit about what your responsibilities were there.
2: I was blessed to work with such a great organization, with the National Association of Orthopedic Nurses, and in turn, um, you know, was writing for their journal and contributing and lecturing across the country on various medical topics, and uh, as a manuscript reviewer would come in and any topics related to my area of expertise, whether it be pediatrics or pediatric orthopedics, um, that I would review the
1: articles for the journal. You are also a member of the advisory board for the Atlanta Sports and Fitness Magazine. You're a busy lady. <laughs> and, folks, I want you to know we have a cover girl with us here. Uh, Katie was cover girl for publication Advance for Nurses, joint effort orthopedic community outreach at Children's Healthcare in Atlanta in, two, in 2006. Now, did I get all that out right? That is correct. Close enough. So we have a celebrity here with us. There was also the cover girl on a magazine, so we're we're proud to have you here all kind of ways.
2: You're being kind. <laughs> in,
1: in her spare time, our guest this morning also has served her community uh, in the local Chamber of Commerce, in leadership positions, and also on the advisory board of the United Way. Uh, it sounds like you have too much time on your hands, really, is what it sounds like.
2: Well... You know, I carve out time to give back to my community. I was fortunate to be elected and serve on the city council for the city of Lawrenceville and um, love that opportunity to work for uh, my community um, in that capacity. And so I enjoy giving back and being an active participant and an active servant.
1: Outstanding. And, folks, we're here. We're talking with Katie Hart-Smith. We're doing some background now, but we're talking about her book, Couch Time with Carolyn. It's a memoir you're going to want to add to your library. And we're going to be back in just a couple of minutes.
3: The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution.
1: My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer.
0: This is America's Web the best in chat radio designed just
1: for you. And again, we are back. My name is Doug Dahlgren. You're listening to the prologue on America's Web Radio. Our guest this morning is Katie Hart Smith. She's brought with us, or with her, she has brought Couch Time with Carolyn. This is a memoir of her time of need uh, and a chance to, to communicate with the mother of one of her childhood friends. Uh, Briefly, before we go any further, recapsule what we're talking about here. What was the point of this Couch Time with Carolyn?
2: Couch Time with Carolyn was to recap the life lessons that Carolyn taught me um, after I had learned that she was dying of a terminal case of breast cancer. Um, When I got the phone call to hear that news, it just flipped a light switch in me, and the life lessons that she taught me over the years in my 30-year relationship with the Dunwoody Girls then spawned the idea to begin journaling everything, which turned into a book called Couch Time with Carolyn.
1: And you had a very specific need at that point in your life. And that's really what this whole story, what, what is what generated.
2: Absolutely. And I was divorced, uh, struggling kind of to pick out pick up the pieces, uh, figure out my next steps in life. She was a wonderful grounding force. And literally on her couch, she would sit in her chair in her ottoman. um, And like I would sit on the end of the couch like a guest show on a talk show host or a guest on a talk show host. And I would confide in her. And then she would comment and make very poignant suggestions and guidance and Uh, we'd share stories and um, she'd share stories from what it was like growing up in the 50s and herself wanting to be independent and wait for marriage and to have children and to have a career and uh, wanted to explore life and so it is in those life lessons and in those discussions that uh, we shared that a true love and a friendship formed and she was like a second mother to me and so it was a very special time.
1: Got you through a rough period in your life. You are now happily married to a gentleman from Snellville, Georgia. Is that right?
2: That's correct. Jeff grew up in um, and is a graduate of Brookwood High School. Outstanding.
1: And he's big enough, he had to play ball. Out there.
2: <laughs> Actually, he didn't. He, he didn't? was in the band. Oh, in the band. The football oh. team, yeah, the football coach wanted him to play, but Jeff said, no, I want music instead.
1: Outstanding. Well, it's, I mean, your life right now is about all you could ask for, I think. With this oh, book it's
2: and perfect. Yes. Okay. He's the dream.
1: Now, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of your community work, and in fact, you were recognized about four years ago. Gwinnett County recognized you in their Chamber of Commerce as the Gwinnett County Healthcare Professional of the Year for 2011. Now, that's pretty high honor. Gwinnett's a big county. Children's Healthcare is a big organization. Tell us how that came about and how that made you feel.
2: Oh my goodness. It was a total shock and surprise. I had no idea. This was the first year that the Chamber of Commerce was putting together awards and recognitions for outstanding work in the healthcare field and recognizing those uh, who lived in Gwinnett who were in the medical and healthcare industry. And I was shocked and tearful to find out that I was the first recipient of such an award and so humbled that I was nominated and recognized my peers. So it was, you know, I've got chills talking to you about it right now because it's so special.
1: Well, that is a special award, that, and then the Georgia Author of the the Year uh, nomination. That I mean, you're really getting out here and getting your name known. So, folks, we want you to go and find Couch Time with Carolyn Katie, tell them again where they can do that.
2: Yes, it's at my website at www.katiehartsmith.com.
1: Now, you handle yourself well with the guest position here and speaking. Do you do speaking engagements about your book or any other subjects?
2: I do. I actually love public speaking, um, as I talked about earlier. Um, I gave many lectures across the country to various groups of various sizes um, about different medical conditions, orthopedic in nature, pediatric in nature, leadership, healthcare issues, which has gone on to when I was in public office. Public speaking was, you know, on the foundation. Required. Exactly. And uh, in my writing, um, I, what I'm doing is many book discussions and book clubs and being able to talk about the publications.
1: What do you find more enjoyable, speaking to groups about your professional uh, knowledge in in, in that arena, or do you prefer talking about your writing?
2: I can say both. Because when you talk from the heart and you talk from experience, it comes from a place of authenticity. And uh, those who are listening can identify with your passion. And so um, I would have to say both.
1: Excellent. You mentioned book clubs. Now, it seems to me that this book would be pretty ideal for book clubs. Tell us about that.
2: Because Couch Time with Carolyn has so many layers that range from death and dying, friendship, faith, life challenges, and intergenerational mentoring, especially of Southern women and the Dunwoody Girls, it leads to having a rich and full discussion that invites open dialogue about how the story and real-life characters can relate to others in their lives and maybe for our younger reader our younger readers if there are life's bridges that are yet to be crossed like finding their true love or dealing with the death of a loved one it may cause them to reflect and have that internal dialogue with themselves to find out you know what would i do if i was faced in that situation or how would i react so
1: well, book clubs that might be interested in having you come or, or they're just looking for maybe a, a deal on a block of books so they can have you later, how do they get in touch with you? Through that same website? or what Yes,
2: they? sir, they can. There's a contact page on that website, and that's how the book clubs are getting a hold of me.
1: Okay, we'll give that website one more time.
2: Sure, at www.katihartsmith.com.
1: All right. Now, what else is on the horizon from Katie Hart Smith? Are you working on anything new?
2: As you say that, yes, I have uh, finished a 100,000-word historical fiction novel based here in Atlanta at the turn of the century, about 1913 to be specific, and it's called Aspirations of the Heart, and it was inspired by a true story. Uh, My grandma, Gigi, was a strong-willed woman who, despite her father's objections, left the family farm in Davies County, Indiana, to pursue an education and become a nurse, but he really wanted her to stay on the farm, get married, have children. And my grandma felt that there was just so much more that the world had to offer. And so as a result, she got a part-time job working at a, as an operator dispatch, switchboard operator, back in the day. And her mother helped her make her nursing uniform. She got accepted to Methodist Hospital's School of Nursing. And one day when her father came home, she was no longer there. She had hidden her nursing uniform in her hope chest until the day she left. And when her father came home and asked about her whereabouts, her mom said, she's gone. She's gone to pursue her life. And as a result, it kind of is a tragic end. He disowned her because... In her heart, she felt that she had to leave the family in order to pursue an education. And she knew that an education was key to leaving the life of poverty, which forever changed our lineage in our family. My mom holds two double masters. My sister and I hold master's degrees. So what she was so brave to do at that period of time, you know, you're talking about the early 1900s, that she went to school and pursued her dream. Very so good. this story is inspired from that, and it actually is going to take a look at Atlanta's medical history and the origins of that, the nursing profession and the federal laws and local and state laws that help shape the health and welfare of Americans.
1: Now, those who have already been familiar with Couch Time with Carolyn and are looking forward to your next book, where are we in that process? Where Where are you?
2: The manuscript is done, so I'm in the process of what we call putting query letters out. I'd like to find a Southern publishing house for this um, because it does have such a rich history in Atlanta, and it does take actual events it i love the research process for this it kind of brings me back home to medical writing and i i think we are so fortunate with having the atlanta history center franklin garrett's work um in his books called atlanta and environs where he did a rich history of what was going on uh, you know in the decades of atlanta um my grandmother's nursing textbooks her old tests and um, I'm able to use all this very rich information to help compile and uh, use as background and research material for this.
1: Do you like research uh, more than just recalling? Uh, there's two different types of books that you've got. The memoir Correct. is really recalling and making sure you've got everything down just so, but when you're working with a, a bit of a fiction touch to it, you do have research and getting facts together. How do you find that? Uh, is it more challenging than just organizing your original thoughts?
2: It can be um, because in a historical fiction, you know, memoir is based on your memory, your yes. recollection of the story, and um, other people may have a different take on the story. However, when you're doing historical fiction, I think it's important that you do marry the true facts, that you do have your sources correct, and um, I think. When I was doing this research and doing the stories, I actually put together timelines to find out when the hospitals and the nursing schools were getting started here in Atlanta, what the medical advancements were at that particular time, who our elected officials were at that time, what medical discoveries were made at that time, and putting together this timeline over decades, then I was able to kind of weave together the pearls and figure out that they did occur in this congruent fashion in this particular silo of time and you can keep that story authentic by doing so.
1: All right. Are you going to be uh, getting in touch and coming back when this is in print? Absolutely. Good, good. We look (laughs) forward to that. We want to talk to you about that one. Now, are you a member? Do you belong to any professional writing organizations? I do. Uh,
2: There are three, and they are uh, the Atlanta Writers Club, uh, the Georgia Writers Association, and the National Association of American Pen Women.
1: Now, what kind of time is involved in being a member in these clubs?
2: It is what you put into it is what you get out of it, I guess, basically is what you say. They have their meetings, and so it's so wonderful to be able to go and uh, talk to and meet different people when you go to the various meetings that they have scheduled um, and, you know, turn to your writer colleagues and learn from them, and uh, it's great fellowship when you go to these meetings.
1: Is there a lot from the... uh clinics that they put out is there things worthwhile that you can learn from them?
2: absolutely i think because everybody has their own personal story about their writing their experience and there are pearls of wisdom to learn from them and so i think as a writing community as we share our anecdotal stories i think it's helpful and that's how we learn and that's how we grow
1: have you ever been asked to be a presenter not yet. The, not yet not yet what does one have to do to be a presenter?
2: I don't know. Get you asked. don't know, or you would okay. <laughs> get
1: invited. All right, uh, the Atlanta Atlanta Writers Club is one that I'm curious about. Uh, I am not a member. I, I was for a short time. Tell us uh, what your opinion is of that group. Are they helpful to you?
2: Absolutely. I couldn't uh, imagine a better group of writing cheerleaders. Uh, I think I can call out some names like George Scott and Carol Townsend and. Um, gosh there's so many people that are just valerie connors They're just incredible writing cheerleaders is what i call them and you included um i think it helps to have people who are good mentors to you um so that you can bounce ideas off of each other and uh, work together in the writing community because each person brings a different talent to the to the table.
1: Very good. Well, I'm glad you enjoy that. We are here this morning with Katie Hart Smith. We're on Atlanta. We're on America's Web Radio, talking about Couch Time with Carolyn. And we're going to be right back after these messages. From Doug Dahlgren, an action series that grabs you
3: and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes, but when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long dead Revolutionary War heroes. One reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com.
1: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes.
4: So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com This is America's
0: AmericasWebRadio.com The best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: And we are back my name is Doug Dahlgren. You're listening to the Prologue on America's Web Radio. We're very fortunate this morning to have in studio with us Katie Hart Smith. She has a great memoir out called Couch Time with Carolyn, and then she has another one that we'll be looking forward to hearing from called Aspirations of the Heart. Now, that's not really a memoir. Tell me again, what do you, how do you classify Aspirations of Heart?
4: Uh,
2: this one will be a historical fiction that's grounded in uh, the history of, rich history of Atlanta at the turn of the century, uh, at a time when the medical profession was getting up and coming. Um, I take a look in uh, the nursing uh, profession as well as the laws that were shaping health, the health and welfare of Americans at that time. And it is a book that um, is where I take four characters, and basically it's taking a farm girl's dream. And adding a pinch of an entrepreneur's ambitions, sprinkled in with a congressman's son's drive, and stirring in a tonic tycoon's rapacious desires. And you'll get a lethal dose of Atlanta's southern charm when these four lives converge to seek out fame, fortune, and success in Aspirations of the Heart, which, as I said, is a historical fiction novel.
1: Well, we really, again, we look forward to that and, and do want to get you back on the show when you have that one available. Now, you are an accomplished and a trained, as we can call it, uh, writer. You have been writing for a great deal of your life. So I know we have some other writers out there who are folks that say, well, you know, I, I've got a book in my head. I, I just want to be able to get it out. Tell us a little bit about your process. How do you actually sit down? Are you what folks call a disciplined writer?
2: I am. Um, I think I'm the kind of person that I can't wait to get into my zone, if you will, and write. Um, I recognize that my words have power, whether they're spoken or written. And I'm passionate about writing stories that touch the heart, inspire, and educate the reader. You know, that's my personal philosophy, Doug, where it's what keeps me grounded and always what keeps me focused, and the process for me is where I do sequester myself into a quiet space. I surround myself with my reference books and coffee and my candles. And, you know, initially I'll jot down my thoughts and ideas. And they eventually start to take shape and form. And then they find their way onto the laptop. I use sketchbooks. I use... Um, like my reference books that I was telling you about. And I'm also a visual person. So I will tack chapter outlines and draw them out. I will draw out buildings and how I, for, you know, envision them, um, what characters may look like or what characteristics and idiosyncrasies they may have. And I have a character chart, you know, to make sure I can keep it all straight. And, um, I use those outlines in the visual, uh, Information and I kind of stand back to analyze the scenes as they unfold. Look at the sequence of action, you know. Ask yourself probing questions like, "Is it pertinent to the story?" and "Show, don't tell." You know those yes. core core things you've always got to keep in mind. And you know, how do you describe the South using your five senses? And so, um, for me, it's about taking risks and allowing yourself to feel vulnerable, writing with an authentic personal voice that's your own, and. In The Couch Time with Carolyn, for example, is a memoir. I wrote it so that it's like having a one-on-one personal conversation with me on, in your house. And, um, you know, I do write stories and enjoy writing stories that empower the reader through relatable life events, whether they may historic or not, may transport you back in time, but also that touch the heart, you know, spur emotions and maybe even tap the funny bone a bit.
1: Very good. Have you experienced yet? Your first book was a memoir, so the characters are pretty well conditioned and set in stone, so to speak, as to what they're going to do. But with your historical fiction, you experience what I experience a lot, I'm sure, where the characters can take on their own life, and they can actually wander off from your scheduled storyline. Tell us how you handle that.
2: I let the story lead me. It's funny because I might have a preconceived notion of where this story is going. And as I'm writing it, like you said, I find the characters almost taking this, you know, life of their own. And in doing so, when I let myself have that freedom and kind of let go, it actually turns out better when I do that. And it's not so contrived. Um, it becomes a more authentic story and more real. Um, so um, I do enjoy letting go and letting the characters lead.
1: Your characters will take you to places you hadn't even thought about.
2: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I read a couple samples of the chapters to uh, my mother-in-law. And I found her hand wringing on the couch after I was into some of the chapters. And I was like, what has got you so riled up? And she said, I just don't like this character. I just don't like this character. This is an evil character. And she had such a visceral response about this character. I'm like... So early on, I'm like, beautiful. This yes. is perfect. That's exactly the kind of response I want you to have. Flesh
1: on the bones. That's exactly. That's what we want. That's it. Have you ever experienced writer's block? Oh, sure.
2: Absolutely. When you're it, For this book, um, Aspirations of the Heart, when I was working on, I had all these puzzle pieces in my head, and I prayed about it, and I kind of let go, and it took a couple years. And one night, woke up, and it all fell into place. They literally got up, out of bed, and began writing and journaling and looking up information. And, you know, Jeff comes downstairs and asking if everything's okay. And I'm like, yeah, you know, don't let, you know, don't interrupt. Let me finish this process. Let me get this out. Uh, And sometimes when you have writer's block, it's for a reason. Because you're not ready to have all the information. Or you may not know enough about what you're writing about. Until it just all of a sudden falls into place, and when you it does, you have to just kind of go with the flow.
1: I call them scenes. Um, It's almost as if I see something in my head playing out, and I try to describe it. That's that's my writing process, and I think that's kind of what you're saying there. If you're not through with it, it won't leave you alone.
2: Exactly. Um, When I write a scene or I'm writing chapters, I envision it up on the movie screen. You know, what is the uh, audience seeing? What are they hearing? What are they smelling? What does it touch? You know, what is is the tactile component to it? And so I really try to pull in all those dimensions because I, do have, I am a very visual writer, even in my head. And so I do try to play out it three-dimensionally in that fashion.
1: In just a, a short sentence, what's the best advice you could give a new writer or an aspiring writer?
2: That's a great question. I would say, write, they always say, write what you know. And you have to do that. You have to go to your core experience of who you are as a person so that you can be the best, most authentic writer. You know, it's different if you're writing because you're doing an interview on somebody or you're interviewing, you know, somebody about a product or a new um, program. You know, that's different um, for an article or something of that nature. But when you're writing for a book, it does help to be, immerse yourself 100% and be experienced. Walk the talk because then it will come through on the pages.
1: Very good. And I think the first word you said is probably the best advice i ever heard, write. You have to. You have to write. It doesn't matter what it is, but write. And when you have that writer's block, write something. And you'd be amazed what actually will come out of that computer or that pen or whatever your vehicle is that you
2: use. And sometimes when I find that I'm lost for words, I'll draw. Or I will look through books and pictures and magazine pictures because sometimes maybe the picture might provoke thought.
1: Now, for those in the South, that's doodling. (laughs) We all doodle when we get hung up So anyway Now we've covered a lot this morning And I want to ask you if it's not a, a fair question And say so Is there anything that we haven't covered That you would like to bring up before we close out?
2: I'd love to wish my husband a very happy birthday. His birthday's tomorrow. And so happy birthday, Jeff.
1: Outstanding. Very good. <laughs> all right. Now, Katie, this has been great. It's just been a, a wonderful experience. I want you to real quick, in about a minute here, tell us again what Couch Time with Carolyn's all about.
2: Couch Time with Carolyn is a sweet memoir about strong southern sassy women. It takes place here in Georgia. And it's about my relationship with my best friend's mother, Dorothy, um, her mother named Carolyn and uh, her life lessons that she teaches me while we're sitting on her couch, drinking some wine, tasting some chocolates. And it's over also interwoven is the 30-year relationship with the Dunwoody Girls.
1: How can folks get their own copy of this book? Couch Time with Carolyn, excuse me.
2: Sure, please visit my website at katie, K-A-T-I-E, Hart, H-A-R-T, Smith, S-M-I-T-H, dot com, or it's available via online retail.
1: Outstanding. Listen, it has been a pleasure to have you here this morning. I really appreciate you coming in and being so well prepared. That is terrific. Uh Couch Time with Carolyn folks is a great memoir and I do hope you'll take some time. Look it up, go to Katie's website, and online retailers include Amazon and you can get it in paperback and have it shipped direct to you.
2: Well thank you for the invitation to be here and being on America's Web Radio and congratulations on your
1: show. Thank you so very much. Now listeners that is Couch Time with Carolyn. I do want you to look it up. And folks out there, that has been your prologue. I hope you enjoyed it. The next move is yours. If you don't do anything, it's your fault. So we need you to get out there and look for this book. You will enjoy it tremendously. And please, I want you to share with your friends about the program. They, if they missed it live this morning, they can get it on the archives. We'll have the archive podcast available within about uh, two days. And you can go to the archive section of the prologue here at America's Web Radio and listen to the show in its entirety. And we hope you will do that. So, time is about to run out on us for this weekend. We hope you have a terrific, hot weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. I am Doug Dahlgren. Please join us again next time. Take care. This
0: is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.